0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Long Relief Podcast. Austin Dakuda and Barrett Hodgson, excited to be with you once again as we have a lot to cover in today's episode. We're going to be focusing on uh, some of the free agent signings that have happened recently. It's been a very busy week around Major League Baseball up until the lockout. So, Barrett, yeah, I know you're excited too to get into all the recent news that's been going on.
1: Yeah, there's been all sorts of signings and stuff, but into the, the lockout it's been a kind of a crazy free agency period because of that so I'm excited to talk about it today and get right into it.
0: So we want to just go down the list a little bit and start I think with one of the uh, first signings by the first team in the directory the Arizona Diamondbacks which was Mark Melanson. Uh, Maybe a surprising move to some as they signed Mark Melanson on a two-year contract uh, worth 14 million dollars. Melanson had spent the 2021 season with the Padres. He's racked up a couple hundred saves in his career and all around been a pretty solid closer, but I'm a little surprised to see him sign with the Diamondbacks.
1: I'm very surprised to see him go to Arizona. I'm curious if that was his best offer money-wise or if he has some sort of tie to Arizona in any way, because it makes no sense for a guy like Melanson who seemingly would be in a World Series chase or hunt and want to sign with a contender to go to a team that's rebuilding like Arizona.
0: Yeah. The $7 million a year is, Uh, On the lower end of what relievers have gotten so far, I think, um, we'll we'll talk about some of those uh, throughout this episode, but for him uh, at this point in his career, age 36, I believe, so he's a little bit towards the back end now. Um, But this, he might have some trade value for them, so I understand it from Arizona's standpoint, trying to make the move and get somebody to lock down your bullpen. He might not have a ton of opportunities, but if he can pitch to a low ERA, there's a chance that they move him at the deadline to get some prospects.
1: Yeah, and he could be a valuable asset to move because, like you said, it's a multi-year deal. So let's say they have a really bad season and he's doing well this year, uh, they can move him and a team would still have a year and a half of team control on him. So they could possibly get uh, some pretty good prospects for him.
0: So Melanson, the only real signing the Diamondbacks have had for the most part uh, to this point in free agency, but I'm sure they'll try to make a couple other moves to uh, supplement the lack of talent that's currently on their roster. But a team that started to pick up the pace a little bit uh, is the Atlanta Braves, one of those deals they've made uh, was in the form of Kirby Yates, a two-year deal worth over $8 million. Uh, Yates recovering from Tommy John surgery, I believe. He hasn't really pitched much in the last two years. But when he's healthy, he's shown that he can be a very uh, effective closer.
1: Yeah, and it's an interesting signing to me because they had Will Smith, and they really used him a lot this year. And uh, he had his moments where he was really good, and he had his moments where he was really bad. And I don't think it's going to hurt them to bring in a guy like Yates and challenge Smith for that closure role. Uh, It's going to be useful for the defending world series champs to have two lockdown guys at the end of their bullpen. If Yates can return to form.
0: Right. And if you're 4 million a year, it's a pretty solid deal for Yates and uh, the Braves too. If he works out, then they have an absolute steal money wise uh, for a reliever in that bullpen. And if he doesn't work out, it's not a ton of money to have to eat. Obviously wouldn't love to have four to 8 million in dead money on your book, but. If he works out, though, it could be a really good bargain for that team.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And I think another good thing that they did this offseason is they brought in Manny Pena, the catcher, uh, former brewer. And they brought him on a two-year deal, $4 million a year, $8 million in total. And I like that deal for him, too, because I don't think Travis Diarno is a, a full-time guy. And I think mm-hmm. Manny Pena had his moments with the Brewers. So I actually really like their two signings so far.
0: Now, it's interesting to see what they'll do the rest of the way because a lot of times teams can have that World Series hangover. And this Braves team got hot with a guy, a lot of guys you wouldn't expect that would uh, kind of contribute to a World Series team, right? Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, um, Adam Duvall, guys who aren't really studs, but ended up coming together and combining nicely to make a solid World Series push. Now, they have to figure out how to fill in the pieces to replenish some of those guys that are leaving. Obviously, getting Acuna back helps and having – uh, three of their four infield returning at the moment. Freddie Freeman still to be determined, but they're starting to make some of the right little moves that are going to add up, I think, and make it tough for somebody else to take the NL East away from them.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think the little moves are going to be huge factors to bringing a guy like Freddie Freeman back. If Freddie Freeman sees that they're getting just quality players and quality deals, uh, he's probably going to want to spend the rest of his year, uh, of his years in Atlanta. Uh, and that being said, they have a lot of free agents, like you said. Solaire, Rosario, Jock Peterson, uh, Freeman, Drew Smiley. There's a lot of guys on this team that are uh, are free agents. So it's going to be interesting to see who they bring back and what other moves they make.
0: We'll keep you updated here on the Long Relief Podcast. If you're just joining us, Austin Nakuda and Barrett Hodgson going through all the National League signings that have happened so far on today's episode. Uh, So next up, Barrett, on the list of teams is the Chicago Cubs, I believe. And They've made a couple of moves this offseason. They're not going to look to have a long and strenuous rebuild, but more of a retool, I guess, even though they finished fourth in the NL Central last year at 71 and 91. They're starting to add some players to this roster. Uh, first, they added Jan Gomes to a two year deal worth about 13 million. And that'll be an interesting move because obviously with Wilson Contreras behind the plate, Jan Gomes is going to see everyday playing time unless there's a DH implemented into the NL.
1: Yeah, the Yan Gomes signing was pretty interesting to me because like you said they gave him a 2-year deal and it was for 6.5 million a year. So it wasn't it wasn't like he signed there for nothing to be a backup catcher. Like they plan on using him a lot. So I think the thing with Gomes is we could see Contreras possibly get dealt if there's no uh, addition of the DH in the National League. And along with Gomes, they signed a couple other guys and Marcus Stroman and Clint Frazier. So I kind of like what they've been doing so far. So if we want to talk about Gomes and Stroman, just that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and I I like the Frazier signing too a lot. That one's a guy who the Yankees mismanaged him, honestly. He didn't get consistent playing time. I know he was injured a little bit. He didn't break out, but he has that prospect kind of pedigree that a lot of teams like, but he never really put it together. Now, the Cubs are a perfect team, I think, for him to break out because they know how to develop guys. They've done it really well over the last decade, and I think he's got a good chance at everyday playing time there. Um, And obviously, going along with Frazier Stroman, the other signing coming from New York to Chicago is Stroman gets a three-year deal uh, worth $71 million. And I like that move for them. I think three at 71 is a good deal for Stroman. Uh, He showed last year he can be a very, very good number two pitcher in a rotation. And with Stroman, Hendricks, and Wade Miley, they have a solid top three uh, in their rotation.
1: Yeah, the Cubs might not be as bad as people think because, like you said, they have a solid top three. Uh, They have Alzele another year uh, for him to develop. And like you said with Frazier, they're good at developing young guys. So I really like what they've done. They went in, they got Frazier on a cheap deal, kind of approve it one-year deal. They went out and they traded for Harold Ramirez, a guy that's shown a little bit of promise. So I really like how they're building this roster up with young guys and adding vets like Jan Gomes and Stroman to the equation. So they're still a somewhat competitive team.
0: It'll be interesting to see where the Cubs will finish in 2022 after finishing fourth in the NL Central. The team that finished just ahead of them in third place, the Cincinnati Reds, have been very quiet this offseason. I don't know if they've made really any moves. I know they have Andrew Knapp uh, joining Cincinnati as a non-roster invitee. um, But that's really all I've seen for Cincinnati Reds headlines this offseason.
1: Yeah, Cincinnati's been really quiet. I think part of that might be because they're focused on trying to bring the Castellanos back. Uh, and I think that's their main priority. So I think that's kind of why things have been so quiet. They don't really have a lot of other great free agents that they could lose besides Castellanos. Uh, and like you said, they've only brought in guys on minor league deals. So they've just been quiet.
0: So the Reds are still trying to piece together their roster. Um, and if there's any news, we'll bring it to you here for Cincinnati, but another team that, is trying to piece together a roster in the National League is the Colorado Rockies. Now, they've been relatively quiet in free agency too, but they've signed a couple of relievers to minor league deals. They re-signed Daniel Bard, uh, but they've been in some of these rumors. Now, I know guys like Jared Carabas have pegged the Red Sox as the interest kings, but the Colorado Rockies, for some reason, are getting a lot of attention, uh, and there's, their names have been thrown around on Chris Bryant, uh, amongst others. So it'll be interesting to see what the Rockies do this offseason.
1: Yeah. Like you said, the Rockies have been in on guys. They just haven't landed anybody and they lost John Gray. uh, So they could be looking to add another pitcher too, along with possibly a Chris Bryant type player. And I don't think Trevor story is going back there. So I think that ship might've sailed. And that's why they're in on so many different guys. I think they just want a guy that can sell tickets because once they lose story, they don't really have that guy. Uh, So I think that's kind of why they're in so many conversations, but. I'll be, I'll be very surprised if we see a superstar go sign with Colorado if they don't overpay him a crazy amount.
0: Yeah, and the Rockies have just mismanaged the talent they've had really the last couple of years, uh, essentially letting John Gray and Trevor Story walk. I mean, is there any good explanation, Barrett, for them not trading Gray or Story at the deadline? No,
1: not at all. Especially... For me, especially Gray, because I know they wanted to try and bring back story. I don't think he'll go back there like we talked about, but I I just don't get it. People wanted to trade for John Gray at the deadline. The Red Sox ran on John Gray. The Rays ran on John Gray. Even the Rangers last year ran on John Gray at the deadline before they signed him. So I think it's actually very surprising how bad this team has been managed over the past few years.
0: And obviously the Nolan Arenado situation Uh, Didn't play out, I don't think, how Rockies fans would have liked. They didn't get any huge names back for Arenado, who's at one point was the best third baseman in the National League.
1: Yeah, all they really got back in that deal was Gomber. And other than that, there's not a lot of names that I could even see playing at the MLB level. So it's kind of surprising that, like, the path that they're going, it seems like they really don't know what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, If I was a Rockies fan, I'd be pretty upset.
0: Well... It'll be interesting to see where the Rockies go from here, but a team that's trending in a different direction the last decade than the Rockies has been the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, a team who's been busy throughout free agency again, as expected. They've lost a couple of their bigger players uh, in Scherzer and Seeger, but they're starting to put some pieces together. They bring back Chris Taylor, four years, $60 million. They signed Daniel Hudson, the reliever, a one-year $7 million deal. Uh, we talked about earlier in the offseason bringing in Andrew Heaney, So they're starting to put some pieces together, and I think this is a team that, even though they're going to lose some big names, they have plenty of talent and uh, young guys stockpiled to kind of help replenish what they're losing.
1: Yeah, the Dodgers are set up for success. They'll be fine, even though they lost Corey Seager at Matt Scherzer. Um, I think Trey Turner will just slide right back to shortstop, his natural position. Uh, I I know Corey Seager is a huge name, but I really don't know how much it's going to affect them losing him. Uh, Because I think they have those young guys in the system that they can just call up and plug in and be successful because that's kind of how the Dodgers have always operated.
0: And one of those guys is Gavin Lux, who is a highly touted prospect. I think he was number two behind Wander Franco for a good uh, deal of time in the MLB top 100 prospect list. And he hasn't really had a chance for regular playing time, but I I really think he's going to open this season as Los Angeles everyday every second baseman as Turner will slide to short. And I think a middle infield of Turner and Lux finally getting a chance could actually be a very formidable middle infield and if not, you know, two all-stars down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and Lux had some really good moments in this postseason run that they had, so I think Lux has a lot of promise to be that everyday second baseman and those two guys are both young guys and they can grow together for years to come. So
0: the Dodgers are also in danger of losing Kenley Jansen. A recent report a few hours ago said that they are not likely to bring him back. Uh, Jansen's a – I'd say there's some interest in Jansen in the market. I mean, a lot of teams are struggling to find closers. Do you have any landing spot where you would peg kind of Kenley Jansen going, Barrett?
1: I could see Jansen going to a team – obviously a closer needy team. Uh, Possibly – I honestly thought the Phillies were a landing spot for him before Knevel signing. Uh, so that, I'd have to think about it a little bit. I could see him being like the classic Yankee go get Kenley Jansen, both mm-hmm. the bullpen guy, kind of guy him when he's kind of on the downside of his career. Uh, but I think he's going to go to probably a big market would be my guess because Jansen's been so good for so long. So I think big markets are going to be attracted to him.
0: Yeah. Jansen, I think will get a pretty decent contract three or four years, a lot of money because uh, he's been a very good closer over the last five years or so. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Any other Dodgers signings, Barrett, that we've missed to this point?
1: Uh, nothing that we've missed. Uh, they they are in danger of losing more guys, like you said, Jansen, Kershaw, Joe Kelly. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that back end of that bullpen and if they bring in a starter or not, if they lose Kershaw, Ian Scherzer, they might be in need of one.
0: Dodgers got some work to do in this offseason, but there's still plenty of time ahead for them to make some moves. And uh, moving on to the next team in the list of uh, – national league teams here is the miami marlins who have made a couple of moves this offseason they traded uh, catcher jorge alfaro to the padres Uh, they've acquired joey wendell from the rays they've also signed uh, avasael garcia which i I don't like that move at all i'll let's start with that one barrett garcia gets four years he's now going to end up entering his age 31 season Uh, last year he had a career high in home runs in 29 with the brewers but i don't think he's a guy who is an everyday player, honestly, in the, in the major leagues. I think he's had some spurts of being solid, but he's really not a great fielder and doesn't really offer you a ton of, uh, a ton, a ton else at the plate besides occasionally hitting for good average and got some decent pop. He's not a major run producer and doesn't get on base as much as you'd like. I, I don't really understand the signing.
1: Yeah. I don't get the length. I think is my problem with it. It's Miami. They're trying to get some guys who are just have been, deemed as decent players and i think garcia is a a, just a decent player i don't think he's anything better than that uh but the four years was what really surprised me with that move because i could understand a two-year deal kind of like how we talked about melanson earlier uh you could probably trade the guy on a two-year deal but on a four-year deal it's gonna be hard to unload uh 13.25 a year going forward with garcia and if they give
0: money to garcia but they didn't give the money to Marte. And the Marte deal we'll get into in a little bit, but it's interesting to see kind of where their priorities are, because I I don't understand if they're going to be spenders the rest of the way, or if they're just kind of, like you said, looking to find some decent players to fill holes, but I don't know. This team finished fourth in the NL East. It's going to be a very uh, tough competitive division again. And I just don't see them as real competitors this year.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And we saw that during the COVID year that they made the playoffs and they eliminated the Cubs and, uh, they were a fun team to watch that season. So I think what they are trying to do is they're going to rely on their young arms because they have a lot of them. They should be getting Sixto Sanchez back this year at the major league level. Uh, so I think the addition of Garcia is they just kind of want a formidable player in that lineup. Um, and then I like the addition of Joey Wendell, a guy who can play every day and play every position for him. So I think that's a good a good get if you need just a, a, an all-around really good utility player. I like the Wendell deal for him.
0: And in addition to Wendell and Garcia, they also have added Jacob Stalins in a trade uh, from the Pirates to the Marlins. Uh, Stalins is not really uh, a terrific hitter at the plate, but he's got a real good defensive skill set. Uh, and I think he'll be their everyday catcher. He spent 112 games behind the dish in Pittsburgh last season. And I think he's a pretty solid guy to work with the rotation, which is why I like the move because I think they bring him in. He's got a young rotation to work with. He's got lots of potential with Alcantara, Rodgers, who was a Rookie of the Year finalist. As you mentioned, Sixto Sanchez coming back. And I think he's a real good catcher for this team.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And with these moves, it kind of does feel like they're trying to buy their way wins, honestly, to me. Because uh, I, like you said, Stallings was just a really solid defensive catcher. And they, they've really struggled with just developing players over the years. We see potential in Jazz, Chisholm at second. But besides that, I can't really... Name a guy recently in the past couple two two or three years in the position players that has developed really nicely so I think they're looking for vets that are kind of proven and they can help that team win
0: yeah that's been a Marlins problem now since they lost Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna um, they had that team that looked like it was going to be solid, and obviously some tragedy struck uh, with Jose Fernandez they move on from Stanton a year later, or they move on from Yelich Ozuna. But since then, there's been a big gap in the development of talent, as you said. They were hoping that Lewis Brinson would develop into an everyday center fielder. But uh, I think as most recent reports that they're not bringing him back, he's gonna be a free agent or available. Um, and they really haven't had anything else where you're like, oh man, that's a bright spot on this team besides Jazz Chisholm. They brought Aguiar in and he had some success, but he's not a long-term piece. So the Marlins definitely have more work to do uh, to try to finish above fourth in the NL East and a team that they're going to have to compete on uh, is the New York Mets who have taken some of the talent away uh, from the Marlins but before we get to the Mets Barry, uh, anything else on the Marlins that we missed?
1: Uh, I don't think so I just think the Marlins you could see them be big sellers at the deadline bringing all these mm-hmm. guys in uh, and you could also see them have success if those three young guys come in and they pitch well uh, and these guys they sign can produce some runs maybe they surprise people I think I think Miami is just kind of one of those interesting teams on uh, looking at their roster because they could be completely horrible or they could surprise some people.
0: Yeah, the Marlins are going to have a lot of work to do the rest of the way after this lockout ends and uh, at some point, hopefully in the next couple of months. But the next team up on the alphabetical list before we get to the Mets is the Milwaukee Brewers, actually. And the Brewers are a team who have uh, really underwhelmed, I think, this offseason for the most part. Teams were looking for them to... Uh, make a little bit of a step from last year. Uh, they've signed some guys to minor league deals. They've signed Jace Peterson to a one-year contract, Rowdy Tellez. Um, They've acquired the big move here, Barrett, that I know where you're going to talk about uh, Being me being a partial Red Sox fan, you being a, a big-time Red Sox fan, uh, is a trade where they get Hunter Renfro in exchange for Jackie Bradley and two prospects. So if you want to start with the Renfro trade, I know that's a that's a good move, in my opinion, for the Brewers.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good move for the Brewers, too. Uh, they lose Garcia, so they need a right fielder. They get Renfro. Renfro had a career year last year. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to produce like he did uh, in that Brewers lineup, like he did in the Red Sox lineup. I think it helped that he had a lot of protection around him uh, with so many great hitters in that Red Sox lineup. Uh, I don't, I like the Red Sox return in terms of prospects. I'm not a big fan of bringing back JVJ, but we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, but for the Brewers thing, I think it's a quality bat that they add. It'll be a middle of the order guy who will provide solid defense out and right. And they lacked that with Garcia last year. So I think it's an upgrade.
0: Yeah, I think Renfro brings, you know, about 30 home runs to the team, probably a 230 average with some regression from last year. Uh, but it's an upgrade from Jackie Bradley, who hit a buck 86 last year. So uh, we'll be getting to watch that at Fenway Park this year, which should be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'll be. That'll be a blast. And for the Brewers' sake, they moved off that that Bradley contract. And I think that was another big part of that deal that was good for them. Now, they gave up uh, two pretty good prospects also to unload that contract and bring in Renfro. So they did pay, like, a, a decent price to get them. Uh, but I think it was a bat that they needed to add to their order.
0: Yeah, the Brewers are in need of hitting. Behind that, really good rotation uh, headlined by Corbin Burns. Brandon Woodruff uh, and Freddie Peralta. Those three have been pretty solid last season. I think they could take a big leap forward to uh, helping this Brewers team try to win the NL Central once again.
1: Yeah, that three-headed monster is scary. And a guy that they brought in uh, to catch him, Pedro Severino, I think that's kind of an interesting fit in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. because I watched him a lot with Baltimore, obviously, being a Red Sox fan. Uh, And he had his moments with the bat. I didn't think he was a great defensive guy. and I think Manny Pena was a lot better defensively. So I'm curious to see uh, if any of those pitchers kind of regress without uh, Manny Pena and change it to Severino. Well,
0: it should be an interesting year for the Brewers as they look to reclaim their spot at first in the NL Central. And a team that I've been eager to talk about, Barrett, is the New York Mets because they've made some moves uh, to bring in a few guys in free agency. Obviously, we have to start with the headliner, Max Scherzer. Three years, about $130 million. Um, Scherzer coming off a of stellar season uh, with the Dodgers and the Nationals. Goes to free agency, gets himself a big-time contract, and the Mets are hoping they have an ace in the form of Scherzer.
1: Yeah, the Mets have had a, a fun offseason, I'd say. If you're a Mets fan, you got to be a little bit excited that Cohen's opening up the checkbook. Uh, and Scherzer, he's just such a great player overall. And if you get him and Jake DeGrom healthy uh, for a full season, that's a tough one, to, to deal with. And then behind them, you got Taewon Walker, who struggled in the second half. But if you can reclaim where he was in the first half and if you can get Carrasco back on track, they could be a pretty dangerous rotation.
0: The Mets could have a good year this year, but they don't have any longevity, I think, really past this year or next year, which is why a couple of the other contracts they signed worry me. Uh, specifically, Starling Marte at four years. Uh, I believe it was over was over seventy million or around
1: that area for Marte. Yeah, seven, seventy eight million total. <sighs> He's going into
0: his thirty age thirty three season, and his game relies on speed. I, I this guy I, four years for Marte. Is that a deal that you would have done? No,
1: <laughs> I would <laughs> not want Starling Marte at age thirty six, thirty seven, on that deal. Um, but like you said, it. I, it not a lot of longevity, but it could, it could work this year and next year with these, they're all, they're all kind of older guys that they brought in between Marte, Scherzer, Kana, and Escobar. They're all over 32 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of feels like it's a two-year plan. Um, and then Marte, if Cullen, are a very rich owner, I don't think he cares if he goes over the tax. So I kind of think that's why they just paid Marte. And we haven't seen Marte regression yet. So we can't just write him off I think it was a big contract four years too long for me uh but he did steal over 40 bases last season and hit over 300.
0: Right he had a sensational season which is why the A's paid a price to get him at the trade deadline um and why the Marlins shipped him out to get a top prospect in the form of Jesus Lazardo. but now he goes to the Mets he's going to be there probably every day center fielder um or there, he could switch over to one of the corner outfields depending on Brandon Nimmo but the Mets overall have an improved roster already from last year. Although they lose Cindergaard, they're probably going to lose Conforto, they lose Stroman. But bringing in Scherzer, Escobar, Marte, and Canna definitely fill some holes. The Escobar deal I really like two years, 20 million, just 10 a year. I think that's right on track with uh, what he's worth. And I don't mind the Canna deal either. Um, it might be a little bit on the higher end of what I would have paid for him. I would have had him about two years, 20 million as well, rather than two at what about 26 or so. Um, but he gets on base. He's a real solid five or six hitter in a lineup. He gets on base a ton.
1: Yeah, I actually really like the kind of signing. Uh, the money is a little bit much, I agree. But I think he's a great fit on this team that just needs guys who get on base. And that's what he does. And between him and Marte, that's a, that's good on-base percentages that they added in the form of two guys. And then they brought in a guy like Escobar, who has some serious pop in his bat. And he could drive guys like that in. So I actually really like uh, the Escobar and Connor signings. I thought Marte was a little bit much. Obviously, Scherzer got paid a ton. Uh, but I think the Mets have had an overall pretty good offseason.
0: It's going to be a deep lineup. If, if the season were to start soon, Barrett, with the current rosters that we have, where would you have the Mets finishing in the NL East?
1: That's a tough call. I mean, is Freddie Freeman a Braves? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we'll say Freddie Freeman's a Brave. If Freddie Freeman's a brave, I'd put him at two. If Freddie Freeman isn't a brave, I think they could win the division if their pitching staff stays healthy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think right now on paper, it comes down to the Braves and the Mets, which pains me to say as a Phillies fan uh, and the Phillies are actually up next to on our list, but the Phillies haven't added enough. I think when you match them up, you know, pound for pound against the Mets, the Mets are better than them in a lot of areas. Now the Phillies obviously have the reigning now MVP and Bryce Harper, uh, some good pop, I think, with Reese Hoskins at first, and obviously some good talent with Gene Segura, but there's too many holes in that team where I think they're gonna have a lot of trouble
1: in this division this year. Yeah, and they've only made two signings. Uh, Corey Kanebel, which I like that signing for them, because they lost Hector Naris. I think Canebel might be a little have a little bit better looking ERA than Naris at the end of his year, and uh Johan Camargo. Uh, but they, the Phillies need to add some guys. They definitely need. They need a couple outfielders. They need some more bullpen guys. Um, it's going to be hard to top the Mets or the Braves with their current roster.
0: Well, the problem is right now, if you go into the season the way you are, your outfield is Bryce Harper and nobody. Like they don't have, an, they don't have anyone else to play the outfield unless you're bringing a double Herrera back, or if you're going to hope Adam Hazley finally plays to what his uh, potential was when he was picked in the top ten. Uh, you have nothing. So I'm I'm really not thrilled with uh, the lack of movement, but I think they're, once the lockout ends, they're going to actually spend. And I think Kyle Schwarber would be a good fit there. Um, I think Chris Bryant would be a great fit there as well. They've been in on the Kevin Kiermaier discussion, um, which I don't really love, but I think if you were to pair Schwarber and left and Kiermaier and center, that would be pretty good. Um, but I don't like Kiermaier unless you get a big bat and left like Castellanos or Schwarber.
1: I uh, yeah, I agree. I think Kim I would actually be a, a great fit if you got a non-defensive outfielder with a big bat. Um, Chris Bryant would be an interesting one. If he was a Philly. That would be that'd be I'd like that fit for them too. I think there's a lot of ways they can go with this roster. Uh, obviously they have a lot of outfield spots open so they can they can sign some guys. And I agree, I think they will spend some money and uh, try to compete with the Mets and the Braves.
0: They have to. I mean, they, Bryce Harper signed him there to win a championship. He's been there now three seasons, and they've still yet to make the playoffs. They have uh, a top top three catcher in baseball and JT Realmuto behind the plate. I think it's fair to say that. Um, the rotation with Zach Wheeler obviously finishing top three in Cy Young voting. I think they have a good rotation. Wheeler, Nola, Ranger Suarez, who had an, an stellar season. Although he didn't throw a ton of innings, he was very good down the stretch as well. Kyle Gibson and then Zach Eflin—that's a—that's
1: a good five rotation. Yeah, it's a. You guys have a formidable staff for sure, so that's why I think you're going to need to get two at least two bats, and then I mm. think you guys still need bullpen help. I mean, oh yes, they do. When will the Phillies never not need bullpen help? You know what I mean? It's like it's,
0: it's a revolving door. Like, last year, i checked Twitter every week, and there'd be a new update on how many saves the Phillies have blown in the season. And, of course, they were about 15 spots ahead of the next team. I mean, it's the, it's the same cycle. I like Tector Neris. He has the all-time strikeout record for a reliever uh, for a Philly. He's been a very reliable guy in a seventh or eighth inning in recent years. But it's when you put him in the ninth, he just crumbles. It's just... I've watched Freddie Freeman hit countless home runs off of him. So I think I will miss Neris. And I think originally a lot of Phillies fans were upset about the deal because you let him go. But eight and a half million for Neris is a little bit of a big price to pay. I, I would be fine with it if they go and bring back like Archie Bradley for a four million um, and a left handed arm for about five to kind of make up for that. But when you look at this bullpen on paper, right? Alvarado's coming back. Sir Anthony Dominguez is healthy and will finally pitch. And he. Struggled a little bit in the minors last year, but threw a scoreless inning in his major league return, which I'm not going to hang my hat on one inning, but it is what it is. not much to look forward to in the Phillies bullpen. And then obviously, <laughs> Abel, So those three are pretty decent. You still need uh, some other pieces. I think Connor Brogdon was decent uh, at times last year, but they're still about three arms away from having a complete bullpen, which is a big issue.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you guys need a long reliever guy, too, in there. Uh, Kind of just a guy that logs some innings if a start goes bad. Because it feels like all those good team like really good teams, have one of those guys. Like the Red Sox this year, an example would be Garrett Richards. If they were up big in a game or down in a game, they had, I mean, he'd always give up a couple runs, but he was just formidable. So I think a guy like that could really help the Phillies, just like a, not specifically Garrett Richards, just a long relief guy uh, who's a little bit better than Matt Moore. I think could, uh, well, that was a
0: fun signing fun. last year, wasn't it? Matt Moore <laughs> yeah. and Chase Anderson. I- I'm going to pass on Gary Richards, too. Um, not Gary
1: Richards. I'm saying a guy <laughs> like him, like a role that he had.
0: Yeah, I think you know he was decent, too, for the Sox. But like a guy like him, like you said, uh, would fit. They have a couple of guys in the minors, I think, that could fill that role. They've actually added about five or six relievers on minor league deals or on waivers um to try to make up for the lack of depth in their system they've added about three catchers including Garrett Stubbs so they're kind of awesome. adding some depth to the team um which is never a bad thing but a lot of people are thinking they're poised to make a trade because they now have Raphael Marchand and Logan O'Hoop uh, two catchers who are in their top 10 in organizational prospects so there's a lot of talk that one of them could be moved especially with Stubbs coming in because he could be a, a catcher on the MLB roster for them so It'll be interesting to see what big Dave Dombrowski does for him this year.
1: Yeah, and you know he's going to buy, so we'll see what happens when the Good. lock goes over.
0: They need to buy. They haven't made the playoffs in about 10 years. It's getting lonely. <laughs> well, keeping it in Pennsylvania, we're going to head over to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, anytime they have a guy who's a borderline all-star, seem to ship him out of town. So,
1: yeah, Stallings, Stallings will be an MVP game. Yep, <laughs>
0: just clockwork with these guys. Uh, they didn't manage to lose 101 games last year, uh, over 100 again. So, not really, uh, many bright spots on this Pittsburgh team. I know they have Cabrian Hayes coming back, uh, O'Neill will probably get some time in the majors, and obviously Brian Reynolds, uh, the talk of the town, he's their best player by far. Uh, so a couple of decent guys, but they're still missing. A lot of everyday players. They signed Roberto Perez. I like that contract. I mean, he's a fine, decent uh, defensive catcher, but the Pirates haven't done a ton besides that.
1: Yeah, they added Perez on a one-year deal. I think you could see him moved at the deadline, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought back Tostugo, who they brought in midseason last year. who He was all right with them. Uh, and then they signed Quintana. <laughs> Jose, huh? Yeah, trying to fill out that rotation. That should Jose, be an interesting one. Jose finds his way to Pittsburgh. Well, I think and, they, uh,
0: they got Jared Eichhoff too.
1: Yeah, on a minor league deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he was good. He was he was decent with the Phillies for a couple of years, and then he couldn't keep the ball in the yard and had, like, an eight ERA. So you could be looking at a Pirates rotation uh, headlined by Jose Quintana and uh, Jared Eichhoff, which will be absolutely yeah, thrilling Blair.
1: baseball their staff is awful huh <laughs> it's
0: real bad they <laughs> traded richie rodriguez at the deadline which i actually like that move because he struggled after the whole spider Tack crackdown and he actually he wasn't even on the uh, the braves world series or nlcs roster either that's how bad he struggled
1: yeah that was a good move by them it might have been one of the only good trades they've ever made <laughs> so uh i think that uh that what they got for him was pretty solid and they still have some guys, but like I've seen reports that they're listening to Ryan Reynolds trades. Oh. I think the last thing Pittsburgh needs to do is trade away a pro- another proven guy. I think they, they, they literally cannot do something like that. So we'll see. I mean, they're gonna probably lose a hundred games again. So it
0: should be another year of exciting baseball in western Pennsylvania for those pirates fans that listen to the podcast and as we start to wrap up here, we have a few more National League teams to go through on the Long Relief podcast as we recap free agency to this point. Uh, the Padres, another team who underperformed last year at 79 in 83. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Barrett, they were the biggest disappointment in baseball last
1: year. Yeah, a hundred percent. They were He Like that team on paper should have won the world series. They were a really good roster. Mm-hmm. And, they just struggled a ton. They, had, they even had a good bullpen, too. So, it just – it really surprised me that they struggled so bad. There could have been some internal problems. We, we saw the video with Patis and Machado screaming at each other in the dugout. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they get back on track with a new manager. Uh, but to That's this point game. in the off season, they have not really made it, a lot of moves.
0: I think the Melvin move is the biggest one they're going to make in terms of bringing somebody in. And, obviously, him being their manager is going to – I think, make a, I think it'll make a big difference for this team. Um, they're in a tough division, obviously, with the Dodgers and the Giants winning over 100 games last year. It can be definitely difficult to pick up the scraps, but um, they've tried to make some moves. They they tried to sign Nick Martinez uh, to a four-year deal worth $20 million uh, after he spent the last four years in Japan. Uh, prior to that, he had a 4.77 ERA uh, from 2014 to 2017 with the Rangers, but absolutely dominated in Japan. Um, there's rumors that they didn't get that deal off in time before the lockout happened, but Martinez, uh, kind of a interesting addition to their bullpen. But if he has that success that he had in Japan, he could definitely help um, replace Mark Melanson and try to help stabilize that bullpen a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that they were going to give him a four-year deal because uh, he kind of struggled in the majors before. But like you said, he dominated Japan. Uh, He'll be an interesting fit, and hopefully that deal doesn't fall through for them because, obviously, they think highly of him. to give him four years. Uh, And then another guy they signed is Luis Garcia from St. Louis, a reliever. Uh, Decent season last year, probably just filling a hole, losing uh, Daniel Hudson, a guy that they got at the deadline, I think is what Garcia will be for them.
0: Yeah, so they're trying to pick up the pieces and uh, kind of mix and match. They bring in Jorge Alfaro as well uh from the we talked about him earlier when we talked about the marlins a little bit um but with austin nola behind the plate as well they'll probably split some time i think back there um but otherwise they've been quiet and one thing that they are still needing to do is i think solidify that rotation a little bit uh, because obviously they have all the big names there with snell Darvish, and musgrove and clevenger coming back but are they healthy are these guys able to are, are they able to pitch long term this year they have to have a plan B in place because I don't think they have a ton of depth if any of these guys go down again.
1: Yeah, I think they definitely need some depth starters. I agree with that because those guys, all of them have had injury problems at some point or another. So I think it's definitely gonna be essential for them to bring in just some like proven veterans, maybe that could make a spot start or help out with an IL stint. Let's say Clevenger goes on the injured list and a guy can come in and fill in for three starts. I think they definitely need to add some depth. Uh, And they moved on from Adam Frazier, too, this offseason, which I thought was not a long stay for him in San Diego.
0: No, definitely a disappointing tenure. He struggled with them, but he still managed to have an overall average on the year over 300. Um, But I think that's a great move for Seattle. I know we'll talk about that in our next episode when we focus on the American League side of things. But for them to, at the deadline, give up a couple of prospects to get Frazier and then have his tenure only last half a season – Definitely a big loss on that trade for them, having to move Frazier. But do they have to move him? Is there a reason they they didn't want to keep him there?
1: I just think um, they can't get off that Hosmer deal. Mm. Uh, I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to move on from Hosmer and then have Cronenworth play first. Right. And it just kind of never happened. Um, And Will Myers is on kind of a big contract, too. He's another guy. Uh, so I don't know if there really was a spot for Frazier to play every day, and so I think that's kind of why they moved off him.
0: That Hosmer deal has to be one of the worst in in baseball currently. He, even when they signed it, it was questionable because he was a decent defender, but at the end of the day, he never was going to be a 30 home run hitter, and you're paying a lot of money for a 280 20 home run hitter.
1: Yeah, it's just an ugly contract, and they have some Like I said, it's a talented roster, but they definitely need to figure some stuff out. And I do think Bob Melvin will help with that. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Padres perform this season.
0: Well, they're going to have to contend again with the Giants, who were first in the NL West and won 107 games. Uh, But this team, right, a lot of people counted them out all year and didn't think they were legitimate. Um, I don't think they're legit, Barrett. I'll be honest. I don't think they can replicate what they had last year. I know it's tough to say because you look at it like, well, they they were first in the NL West and they dominated, but they had so much timely hitting and they kind of caught lightning in a bottle for the regular season. But let's face it, Darren Ruff is not going to be an everyday player for anybody else in the league. Alex Dickerson, Steven Duggar, Wilmer Flores, Kirk Casale, all these guys who played 90 games for them and filled in roles and you know, helped with Gabe Kapler's weird mixing and matching. I don't think they can replicate that. I'm not I, – I don't know. I, and they're losing Buster Posey. I can't see the Giants as replicating their performance from last year.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for them to do that. Um, I think Buster Posey is such a huge loss to the organization uh, and to the pitching staff. I mean, we saw guys reviving their careers there on that pitching staff. And I think Buster Posey had a lot to do with that. Uh, they also lose Gosman, their ace. So I think it's going to be really hard to replicate what they did. I do think Logan Webb has potential to be an ace, uh, but I don't think he's quite there yet. We saw some great moments out of him in the postseason. Uh, but they bring back Di Scalfani, they bring back Alex Wood, and they sign Alex Cobb. Uh, so they, they bring in three starters, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how that rotation performs without a guy like Posey.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this team, too, over the last, what, 12 15 years, they have developed starting pitching better than any other team in baseball. I would argue Tim Linsicum, Matt Kane, um, uh, countless names that we talked about. Madison Bumgardner, just so many guys have come up now. Logan Webb, they've revived the careers of uh Gosman, as we mentioned, Alex Wood. They've just developed starting pitching so well that it wouldn't be surprising to me if Webb has an ER Rander three this year. Um, and Alex Cobb has a good year, and Wood bounces back again. But it's just hard to buy in, I think, because you look at their roster on paper, and it's just not that impressive.
1: Yeah, there's just not a lot of names. Um, like, they're just all, like, vet, solid veterans, but there's no, like, star that jumps out at you. And I think it's going to be another, like, I don't see them bringing back Chris Bryant. No. So I think that's another – like, they're probably losing their three best players between – Gosman, Bryant, and Posey. I mean, I know Brandon Crawford had a great year and he's an absolute defensive wizard. But those are the three really big pieces that they had in their postseason run.
0: And they're not afraid to spend. They've been in on them, they were in on the Bryce Harper rumors down the stretch before he signed with Philly. Uh they were in on Chris Bryant before and they went and got him at the deadline finally. But they're not I think they spend smart, right? They don't want to take a risk just to sign the big name. But at some point I think they do need to go in and bring one or two guys in to kind of pick up the pieces and replace the big time names that they're losing.
1: Yeah, I agree. And they've been linked to Castellanos. So I think that could be a fit. Um, but I just don't know if he's enough to replace what they're losing.
0: Well, Giants got work to do much like many of the teams that we've talked about to this point, but a team that I like to make a run uh, is the St. Louis Cardinals. They had a good run down the stretch, obviously a little bit of a change at manager. Now that the year was over, that was, Pretty quick that they get rid of Mike Schilt, but they've started to kind of add on some guys. Uh Steven Matt's one of them. Um, obviously re- bringing back uh Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Harrison Bader in the outfield, but they're starting to kind of get in on some rumors as well. And I think the Matt signing was a pretty good one.
1: Yeah, I like that fit a lot for St. Louis. I think he he's just gonna be a a stable, a stable guy in their rotation for years to come. And I think he's going to really help Wainwright and the other guys in that rotation overall.
0: And I think we're going to have Yadi Molina back for another year. Correct me if I'm wrong. And obviously, we know the difference that he makes for
1: that team. Yeah. Yadi Molina, he'll be a big thing. I think you could see Matt's have one of a career year with uh, Yadi Molina. Uh, And like you said, I actually like him to make a run too. I thought they were coming together towards the end of the year. I mean, I know it was the wild card game, but if that's like a five game series, St. Louis probably wins a couple games.
0: Yeah, no, they're they're a team that has a lot of fight and always is around the conversation uh, to make a run at the World Series in the last decade. They've just continued to figure out how to make things work, no matter who the manager is or you know what the roster looks like. But they should be able to definitely replicate what they did last year and I think have more success because I'm expecting a little bit of regression from the Brewers if they don't uh, add on to that lineup. I think the Cubs will improve a bit. Um, but I don't think the Pirates are contenders, as we've talked about. And I don't think the Reds are big contenders. So I actually like them to kind of make a little bit of a move towards second or or even first in that division if they can kind of put things together the right way.
1: Yeah, and I agree with everything you said. I I really like the Cardinals. I like how they fight in every game. I like how they fought in the season. They had all odds are stacked against them. And I think with a couple more moves, they could have like a really, really good ball club.
0: Yeah, and I think they're gonna—they're not done either this off season. I don't think. I think when the lockout ends, we'll see them make a couple more moves because they still have some holes to fix.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think, I think they probably could use another bat somewhere. Uh, if they—if they implement the universal DH, I think they could go get a guy that could really help that lineup a lot. And then they probably need some help in the bullpen. But that's probably my two spots where they could add on. Yeah, we'll see
0: what they do from here. And the final team that we're gonna cover. In today's National League edition of the Long Relief Podcast, looking at all the free signings, is the Washington Nationals, a team that is now a couple years removed from a World Series win and starting to sell the talent they had and uh, retool and rebuild, which I think it was worth it for that team, though, Barrett, to kind of go all in, win that World Series. And now you have to look at the roster. Uh, Steven Strasburg has been a major disappointment for them. Josh Bell hasn't played the form Um but I think it was worth it to try to win that World Series. Now they're kind of on the rebuild side of things.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that – I mean, that was just such a big thing for Washington uh, as a whole. So I think they look back on it. I don't think they regret it. They still have an absolute stud in Juan Soto. Uh, and I absolutely hate that they traded Trey Turner. I, mm. I thought those two guys are two guys you build around for the next 10 years. So, I I mean, I, they got a good haul. For Turner and Scherzer, there's no denying that, but I hated the move. I thought, like, I think you pay Trey Turner. I think Trey Turner's a top 15 player in the league. So that really, I really didn't understand adding him in a deal like that. But uh, this offseason, all they've done is add uh, Cesar Hernandez.
0: Uh, Cesar, back in the NL East. He'll be a Philly killer. He has it written all over him. But Some of these teams, though, what bothers me is they don't know when to ink talent to long deals that are legitimate players like Trey Turner. At some point, you have to build around somebody, right? Because what are the odds that they ever bear replace Trey Turner with somebody of equal value?
1: Probably zero.
0: Right. So why not ink him to an extension? Obviously, Soto is a guy who's probably going to be there for a long time unless he chooses to leave. But like you have to have a couple of pieces that you're willing to pay. Cause if you head into this off season with Turner and Soto, you have two all-stars and two top 10 MVP candidates on your roster. Now you just have Soto.
1: Yeah. And just when you have two guys compared to one, like I think the whole clubhouse would just be more positive. Like, Oh, we have two guys who could win MVP and other guys feed off that, I think. And I mean, you think about, it, oh, maybe maybe if they have Trey Turner, people start thinking, oh, Strasburg could have a bounce back here. Corbin could have a bounce back here. But, like, you look at this team, you don't even think about stuff like that. You just think, oh, they have Juan Soto and they're going to be awful.
0: Yeah, I think – I don't know. That team just doesn't have enough pitching either. You know, at this point, they were trying to sign guys to deals like John Lester got a one-year deal a couple years back from them. Um, they just haven't been able to piece it together. I do, like we talked about, like what they got back for Turner and Scherzer, although I think they could have gotten much more if they dealt Turner separately. Um, but overall, this team, they're going to finish fourth or fifth in the NL East, and there's just no way around it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I just, I really hate that trade time. I don't think I'll ever not hate it. Yeah. Um, unless, I mean, Josiah Gray's a guy. I think he's pretty good. Uh, and I think Kiva Ruiz is going to be, a solid catcher in their lineup every day uh I I just I can't talk myself into it I don't no, get I, it I, I mean, just don't get it I can see them
0: move. I mean I could have seen Josiah Gray and Ruiz being the return for just Scherzer
1: yeah I agree because I mean Max Scherzer doesn't get dead on we could be talking that the Dodgers won the World Series I mean yeah. it's just like it's a move that the Dodgers make they have so much talent every year in their farm system like they trade these guys away. They're gonna have guys still, no matter yeah, what.
0: They'll make the move to go and spend on half a season because they know they can replenish Keyro Ruiz and Josiah Gray. But I, I don't know who would have accepted that deal. That just seems like when they first reported it, I was like, okay, they got those two, but who else? Or I figured they got.
1: Students. I thought for sure they were getting Lux.
0: I don't know how they didn't. That's
1: that, was, that was something that shocked me.
0: Yeah, whoever's whoever is running it in Washington. I mean, obviously, they had success in that World Series run, but I think it's Rizzo, the GM, um, hasn't been able to kind of figure out how to uh, completely dive into
1: this rebuild process. I mean, just think about the names they've lost, Mm -hmm. like not just Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, Bryce Harper, Max Scherzer. Like, there's a lot of really, really good players that this team just didn't hang on to after they won the World (laughs) (laughs) Series, and... Like, it's just Juan
0: Soto show now. Well, and I think Bryce wanted to stay. That was the thing, too. Like, when they first talked Bryce Harper, they he wanted to stay in Washington for the most part, but then they never made him a competitive offer. It was like they didn't want him.
1: Yeah, and that I think that was the case with Rendon, too. So, it's just kind of confusing to me. I mean, I get some owners don't want to pay the tax and whatnot, but, I mean, think about that roster that they could have right now. If you had a lineup with Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, and Trey Turner, I mean, you're talking three of the best players in the league. I mean, those three guys next year could be the three finalists for MVP.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. That lineup with that combination and then obviously filling in a couple of depth pieces would be the best in the National League East, if not the entire league, with those MVP candidates in it. But now you're looking at a lineup with just Juan Soto. But I think it speaks a lot of volume as to how good Juan Soto is with him being able to hit over 300 and have an obp over what like 430 in that lineup cuz he's the only yeah, person, I, he's the only guy people attack and for him to be able to bat over 300 he's going to win i think two or three mvps in his career
1: yeah i think he's the best hitter in baseball in my opinion i just think he's so skilled at the plate like he takes every pitch that he needs to take and he has he just has the swagger up in the box too uh, he's a great hitter, and I'm really hoping that they they hit on some of these guys they trade for. I'm sure they're going to be sellers at the deadline. I hope they hit on a couple of these picks that they have in the draft coming up, and mm-hmm. hopefully they can build a formidable team around Soto in the future.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see where the Nats go from here as uh, well, along with most of the National League teams that we discussed today. Barrett, anything that we missed in this episode on the Long Relief
1: podcast focusing on the National League signings? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, it's fair to say the Mets have been the most active and fun. Uh, and teams like the Nationals have been pretty quiet and disappointing. Well, there's still plenty of talent
0: left, but the lockout is upon us. Barrett we will have no action. MLB has wiped their website of players' pictures of any stories regarding players, as they blame it on the players for having the lockout and the players blame it on the owners. Um, and it doesn't seem like we're going
1: to have any action for months. Yeah, it's probably going to be at least a two month lockout. And I really, I mean, it was so awesome just seeing all those signings flying off the board. And I mean, the Red Sox haven't even had a very exciting offseason, in my opinion, and I had fun with it. So I'm just wicked excited to see all that awesome talent, uh, possibly find new homes. And hopefully the lockout doesn't last uh, in the spring training.
0: Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't like that because then the players, well, I think both, there's going to be a concern, especially for pitching, getting ramped up without having a spring training. If you have to, right, say it lasts what, like three weeks into February, and then they're not getting going and throwing until the first week of March. They're either going to have to cancel the first two weeks of the season, push it back a little bit. Um, I can't see the owners wanting to miss any games. So I don't think that's why I don't think this will trickle into the season because they already missed a, what, a hundred and, a hundred games or so in that 2020 season due to the pandemic. I can't see
1: them wanting to miss any games. Yeah, it's just it's so crazy to me that you have a pandemic season where you play 60 games and then you go to a lockout. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I feel like they should just want to play baseball. And like I get it. It's a lot. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot of money involved and stuff. But I just think Manfred's done a horrible job. Yes. Delegating the situation meant, I mean, people knew it was coming for years. Oh, yeah. Passing wrote an article about it five years ago. And it's just like, like, what is this guy doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't made any moves to try to prevent it. He knew it was coming. He was going to let it come. Um, I don't really blame the players. I I think we've known that the arbitration and the service time, how that all works, is kind of messed up, right? With teams being able to hold guys down for three weeks just so they can get an extra year of service time uh, yeah. in their organization. I don't think you want to turn it into an NBA type of world where guys can get out of your team and your organization after three years and start to hit free agency at age, what, 24, 25 wouldn't be ideal because then teams like the Nationals um, would be losing out on these guys even sooner or teams like the Pirates would never have a chance. But at the same time, for guys like Chris Taylor or – you know, even Chris Bryant to be hitting free agency at age 29 or 30 is a little bit late.
1: Yeah, and some – especially for pitchers is my thing because a guy can be so great for like six years and then his 29-year-old season, he blows out his arm. Mm. So, it's I think it's just kind of stuff like that. Uh, I'd like to see it where it gets like maybe like in the age 27 range. Something like that, maybe they agree on. I don't know. it's just uh honestly it's just a mess. It is. it's a difficult situation because then right, if you want these guys have
0: free agency around 27, 28, uh, teams could start bringing guys up later. you know what I mean if the service time's gonna be um, say they need five years, right? and most guys come up at 23 that puts them at 28 or whatever or even you'd knock it down to four, four or five teams might say, fine, we're not going to bring him up until he's 24 then, until we absolutely know that he's ready. Like, until he's has a two ERA in the minors, he's not moved.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that factors into it, and it just sucks that like, it it didn't get talked about. Like, I feel like it's just been pushed to the side. Like, no one's been, like, no one thought about it or worried about it in Major League Baseball. The players did. Yeah, Manfred didn't do anything. I mean, the owners had it in the back of their heads, but they didn't do anything. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think it's kind of funny that a bunch of guys are changing their profile pictures on Twitter to <laughs> like uh, just the blank like screen thing. Uh, yeah, they're all doing so it I, now. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I think the players are gonna
0: have some fun with it, right? A lot of guys are um, putting stuff about Manfred in their Twitter bios too. But I see they're not really in any pressure to play. That's the thing. If you're the players, you can kind of hold out because you're you know the owners don't want to miss baseball. They don't want to have their pockets cut into any more than they already are. So if if I'm the players, fine. I'll work out on my own with my, you know what I mean, with my group of guys Um, in the offseason. We'll just wait. We'll keep throwing in in February by ourselves, and we don't have any real pressure to play.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think it's like if it runs into the season, like they have to miss games and stuff, that's such a bad thing for baseball. As a whole, I mean, this season we saw numbers jump back up in the postseason, like just ratings for baseball. So I think it would be so bad after having kind of a, well, I'll call it a bounce back year after the COVID year. I mean, that's what it was. And mm. to miss games, that's really going to affect just how people look at baseball as a whole.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of the growth of the game, and I know we could spend a lot of time talking about that on a whole episode, but I, I'm at least looking forward to some minor changes, too, that could come with this uh, new negotiation,
1: like maybe the DH and the NL. Is that something that you would want to see? Yeah, I think that's a thing the players have to push for. I mean, you see pitchers just go out there <laughs> and stand there. <laughs> like, like, what's the point of that? Right. As a fan, who enjoys watching that?
0: Not, not many people. And then they people, when they finally, right, back they drop down one bunt in 10 at-bats and it moves a runner. Then they're like, oh, fundamental, great baseball, that small ball. It did nothing. It moved a guy 90 feet, and then Roman Quinn comes up and grounds out to short and the inning's over. <laughs> it's, nothing really good happens from it. It's boring. Yeah. And no other sport is it like that. It's like, oh, you know what? This guy is so bad at at offense, we still are going to make him do it. Like in football, right? They don't go put the quarterback at
1: middle linebacker. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And if there is guys, if I'm sure, like Zach Greinke is a perfect example. Zach Greinke can hit a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: We, we saw him pinch hit in the playoffs and get a hit. If you want your pitcher to hit, then pinch hit him. Yeah. Okay? You don't need to have a spot in the lineup that you have to worry about three times a game where, okay, maybe this guy is pitching an absolute gem. He's throwing 80 pitches and he's into the sixth. But is that he's coming up to hit and it's a one nothing game, like that's just a scenario that can be avoided so easily by adding the DH, and it's, it's going to
0: keep just, more guys it. in the league too. It's going to keep like fifteen yeah. more guys' jobs. Like Encarnacion Barrett hasn't really had a full time gig the last couple of years besides picking up with Cleveland a little bit. He's a guy, and now Nelson Cruz is going to look for a job too soon. Those guys are going to stay in the league a lot longer. Because they're going to have fifteen more opportunities to just hit.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of why Martinez opted back in with the Red Sox because he could hit free agency with a university H and his That'd market be is going to be is going to be bigger. Uh, and there's a lot of guys like. Remember when Reese Hoskins was playing left field for you guys? Oh my god, that was. A big I mean, battle. that like that's just another example. If you just, it helps having that option in the lineup and it's way more exciting for the fans.
0: Well I, I hope it gets done. I don't know if it will or won't, but the lockout is definitely there's no end in sight for now. Um we got a couple of months we'll still be making podcasts here and keeping you updated. We did the National League today. On our next episode next week we'll have American League signings. But for now Barrett any final thoughts on today's episode of the Long Relief Podcast?
1: Uh it's been pretty exciting the past couple of weeks with the uh all the signings and I'm hoping the lockout doesn't last extremely long because I really want to see where these other guys land, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, fingers
0: crossed that Bryce Harper can find two outfield partners in the next uh, couple of months because right now it's just Bryce and Philly uh, and holding his MVP trophy. Uh, but for now, <laughs> that will wrap things up on today's episode of the Long Relief Podcast. For Barrett Hodge and I'm Austin DeCuda saying thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe.